0: I'm Dr. Michael Krichman, and I'd like to welcome you to the sexual medicine webinars. We'll be hosting a series of webinars that are focusing on sexual medicine, and today's uh, first lecture is on history and physical examination um just by way of background i'm a board certified OBGYN who focuses in sexual medicine i have over two decades of experience in evaluating both the sexual medicine aspects as well as sexual psychology concerns for patients i'm a certified sexual counselor author and also a sex therapist. Uh, My focus is on the integration of both the medical aspects and psychological factors that influence sexual function and really focus on how we as healthcare professionals can impact a person's sexual enjoyment, sex life, and vitality as they progress through their life cycle. So why are we focusing on sexual health? And I think the big issue is, as you can see here, that sexual complaints are quite prevalent. It's not only about issues as we get older, uh, and you can see that the ages 50 to 59 certainly have high incidences of lack of desire, lack of orgasm, and trouble lubricating, but we also see that many younger patients that we are seeing also have some sexual health concerns and there really is a disconnect between what people are experiencing uh, what they're discussing or not discussing and how healthcare professionals are addressing sexual health concerns in their clinical practice I think it's important to understand that we all have sexual problems but when is it relevant to start treating them I think the big issue comes when we start talking about distress and again this is really about the impact of the sexual problem not only on the person themselves but also on their primary relationship i think it's important that we don't want to over pathologize or over diagnose and really really assess the concern That a patient is experiencing so many people will experience distress and warrant therapy uh, for their sexual health problems. So it's not only what is going on, but how is it impactful. And I think that's a very important aspect when you are doing your proper assessment who can evaluate sexual health issues and uh, because i'm a gynecologist i primarily focus on women but i've also because of my therapy background deal with men and we see that there is a diversity of professionals that are listed here that can certainly address sexual health concerns in a variety of clinical situations it doesn't always have to be a sexual medicine expert family physicians internists generalists and again a whole variety of um Those who deal with the therapy aspects can certainly address sexual health concerns. So I think it's important to understand your network uh, in your own community. And really, if you are interested, you can become the sexual medicine champion in your community. What are the facets that are implicated in sexuality and sexual dysfunction? We know that veins, arteries, nerves, uh, certainly neurobiological issues, chronic medical illnesses, and physiology are quite important. But we also know that psychological issues, whether it's depression, anxiety, stress, or substance abuse, certainly affect sexual function both directly and indirectly. We know the relationship, the partner, uh, certainly is impactful. We'll talk a little bit about the couple. So if you're focusing on men, uh, how do you address women? And if you're focusing on women, how do you focus on men? And how we should really be looking at the global partnership if there is a partner in the relationship. We also know that sociocultural influences are quite important in the overall paradigm for uh, sexuality and sexual health as well. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the sexual response cycle. Now, this was the traditional linear view uh, for many, many years and it went from desire uh, which is like sexual interest, appetite, arousal with physiological changes, increasing in blood pressure, uh, sweating, a flush, and then you reach a plateau and then you may have an orgasm. And this was a linear model, very much mimicked on the male model, where they transition from one through the other and then they have a period of resolution you can see here that there's also a gray line where for women, they are able to have multiple orgasms. And remember that this may very well be the facet that some experiences may have a single orgasm, others may be multiple, and they may be shifting. Um, So traditionally, we have thought that uh, most of our uh, patients are transitioning in a linear fashion from one model to the next. However, um, more recently, there has been a new thought process really about this alternating cycle of female sexual response. And I know this is quite uh, busy and challenging. Uh, One of the best ways to understand this is um, an analogy I'd like to share with you. And that is about me and going to the gym. I don't wake up in the morning and have a burning desire or interest to go to the gym. I am very neutral about the gym. I have a lot of things going on. I have work, I have email, I have children and other activities to attend to. But you know, my buddy says, let's go to the gym, you'll feel better, you'll, you'll decrease your stress. And sometimes begrudgingly, I go to the gym. I don't really wanna go to the gym, but I go nonetheless. And then I go to the gym and I'm working out and I feel good and the stress is leaving and I feel invigorated and I kind of say, wow, Um, you know, the gym is good. The gym is great. I really enjoy it. I should be one of those gym people that go three times a week. Unfortunately, when I leave, I'm still feeling a little, you know, good about the gym. But the next morning, I wake up and I say, you know, only crazy people go to the gym all the time. I have so many things to do. So what this really indicates is that we can give people the opportunity to start at sexual neutrality and really that means they can kind of take it or leave it but when they're in the sexual experience and they're actually being aroused this may be that it it really affects their desire so this concept really is that arousal precedes desire and they may be more in a circular pattern of of uh, one in reinforcing the other as well. Where are we seeing sexual health issues? Well, I think it's pretty interesting that it's not only at the gynecologist, we're seeing it at the urologist, family physicians. So I think this begs us to kind of take a, a Big and global look at what we're doing in our clinical practice, and I think that is a very important concept. That if we ask the right questions, we'll be very surprised about the answers. And again, it's kind of this don't ask, don't tell if I don't ask about sexual function, people are not going to volunteer it, and that's very much uh, correct. And we see that healthcare professionals feel that they're unprepared, nurses as well are unlikely to ask, and even in erectile difficulties, um, you know, patients are apprehensive. And if we are waiting for patients to volunteer sexual health concerns, we'll be waiting and waiting and waiting. I think the bottom line is that the data supports the fact that we as healthcare professionals must be proactive in our discussions, and evaluations of uh, sexual health. And we'll give you some of the clinical pearls because many people are avoiding these discussions for a variety of different reasons. And one of them is we are not appropriately trained. So you can't blame healthcare professionals for not wanting to address certain issues is because they don't have the tools in their war chest in order to better, um, in order to better address their concerns. So if we don't learn about it in medical school, then we are not trained in residency and then henceforth, we're not interested in addressing these issues. And I think it's okay if we do not want to address them, but we know who in our community are physician champions that certainly focus on that. And you know, now in today's day and age with telehealth, I think it's become very exciting that there are a lot of opportunities to uh, help clinicians help their patients as well. So what about the sexual history? You know, there was a survey uh, quite some time ago, and it only said that about 30% or a third of of physicians are taking sexual history. Most patients believe that sexual health histories are relevant. And sexual health histories, especially in men, can be very indicative of underlying medical issues. So again, this kind of is a very important concept that this might be the gateway. So what that means is if you ask about erectile difficulties, you may get some information about a person's underlying cardiovascular status, the glycemic control, their cholesterol levels as well. And it lends to this concept that a man who comes in and who has erectile difficulties, we instantly think it's a medical issue. So perhaps we've over-medicalized men and under-medicalized women. Because if you look back traditionally, in the last, what, 50 years, women were called hysterical, they were called frigid. It was very often that it was a psychogenic or psychological issue. So I think the the moving trend is sexual health and general health are very much intertwined and it's very important to address both facets when you are dealing with both men and women. and I think this is an important concept that, you know, most adults want to discuss it with their physician and clinician, but they feel rushed, they feel embarrassed, they feel like there's no treatment. So they are kind of this learned helplessness, why bother? Um, and they also, patients report, uh, you know, um, judgment physicians are uncomfortable. There's concerns about privacy. There is lack of cultural sensitivity. So um, these are the reasons why patients are apprehensive to share their stories about sexual health. Um, And again, we can learn from this as well because we have our own barriers. One is, as we talked about earlier, the lack of training. We also may not recognize that healthy sexuality is an important concept we have severe time concerns. And this may appear as a daunting task. And I want to tell you that you are not alone if you feel that this is a daunting task to evaluate, assess, and treat sexual function. But I also want to encourage you that you can do this in a very controlled fashion, in a in short snippets of repetitive uh, visits. You can do the history in one visit, the physical in another. And you can get this stuff done in a, a very, very short concise, directed approach. There are cultural barriers, there's um, uh, issues related to reimbursement, there's issues about hormones and treatment paradigms and concerns about safety of medications, and also some issues about language, ageism. And again, even in this slide deck, we also have some assumptions, right, that all people are married, heterosexuals, monogamous. We don't really want to ask because we know that there's people that have alternative lifestyles, that may have open relationships, that may be in same-sex relationships. And we are not necessarily comfortable with addressing these uh, physical concerns. So I think it's important to recognize that we have our own barriers when it comes to addressing sexuality, sexual health concerns, and we're we're quite uh, embarrassed as well. So what are the tenets of a sexual health exam? And it's really like every other medical problem that we're addressing. You want to do a history, a sexual uh, status exam, psychological exam, also a physical exam to support what you are finding in your history. And again, we'll talk about laboratory evaluations and typically what are the shortcomings, what are the positive and negative attributes to that. Um, I think uh, patients are unique and different, and their experience of sexual function is unique and different, just like clinicians are unique and different, just like treatments have to be unique and different and one size fits all is no longer the concept and we have to be uh moving towards a facet of of uh, precision medicine where we are individualizing our treatment for our patients and giving them their appropriate needs so with that i will conclude I, i want to thank you all for the opportunity to speak with you and for Innovation Compound for putting um, uh, this uh, sexual health series. I look forward to uh, the other um, lectures in this series and certainly will welcome your uh, comments and your questions as well. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful day.